Hello and welcome to your go-to Detroit Pistons podcast, The Pistons Pulse, co-hosted by me, Bryce Simon of Motor City Hoops, a former D1 Hooper, current high school coach, teacher, husband, and father of three amazing kids, and Omari Sankofa II, Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. Omari, my guy, I lost my voice a little this week as summer weights, football, and basketball workouts have started. My apologies to the listeners, but I gotta ask you, when and why was the last time you lost your voice? That's been a long time, man. I would have to, I would have to sit down and think about it. Uh, you are in a lot of opportunities to lose your voice because you have three kids, teach uh, young kids, and when you have jobs that uh, have kids or you have kids yourself, I feel like you're just in like a much higher risk category of losing your voice because you're you're screaming a lot more. So. I don't know. Like, I, like I would have to like think of, like the last time I genuinely screamed, which like it had was, to be like at a Kendrick Lamar concert or something, <laughs> right? Is, is Kendrick yeah. Lamar? Did I get that right? Yeah, well, Kendrick, you know, like I went to a Freddie Gibbs show uh, last week. Who? And I, uh, Freddie? Oh, you don't know Freddie Gibbs. He, he's not. Yeah, he's 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 not the most pop- popular rapper, but he's good. Uh, like I've screamed at like some concerts for sure, just because it's it's so loud in there, but lost my voice like it's it's been a long time it's been a long time i uh like i'm surprised that this is the first time you lost your voice on this pod just since you're always doing things that you could lose your voice for so you've got some yeah you've got some resistance there <laughs> yeah I've, I've slowly built it up being teaching the kids and then i i tell people i feel like i have a pretty reserved personality i think that's what people would would say about me but when i coach um, believe it or not, I'm pretty intense. I get after it. I'm very competitive, even though I kind of have that more laid back, positive um, personality on the podcast. But we have a great guest today. And speaking of voices, he may have a little bit of a Boston accent that comes out from time to time. I hear it on his podcast with his host, Trevor Lane, on the front office show, contributor at Track and Celtics blog, NBA cap and free agency expert, Keith Smith. Keith, welcome to the Pistons Pulse. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. That's uh, far too kind of an introduction. I told you this in the email. I listened to the podcast and it's funny. What Whose name is it that you always kind of drop the uh, the Boston accent? It's happened in the last couple episodes. <laughs> it's no one particular. It, okay. It's the R's you know, that, that, that we're known for back home. And it's, it's when I get really animated and excited that's when it comes comes back out and anytime we're talking free agency and getting deep into cap stuff i tend to get really excited not maybe not a normal thing to get excited over but that's uh that that, that that's my love so i get super into that and then uh next thing you know i'm dropping ours and it sounds like i'm right back home with my buddies keith we're gonna go ahead and dive into uh some 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 pistons roster and uh cap questions here uh, i guess one and i know a lot of people uh, for them, this is one of the key points of the offseason. Uh, how much cap space are we looking at as far as what they'll have to play with in free agency? Because I know Pistons fans have been reading all these rumors and reports and, and just sort of what's the outlook of their situation, especially now that we're past the uh, lottery and we know uh, what the, the value of that fifth pick will be. Yeah, my my up. Like latest projection for them is about thirty six million in cap space, and when I do a projection to um, the, the the next and variable question is, well, does this include you know this, this, and this? And I do. I go through. I project all the options, the the qualifying offers, renouncements, all that. I do that for every team and for the Pistons. I've got them at about thirty six million in cap space. Um, you know, with, with their salary obligations, um, we can go into the details of how I get there if you guys really want to. Um, but that's uh, that, that's where, where I've got them at is a little over thirty six million. 
Yeah, let's go into just a few of those because I know that that does include them. Would it be, what's the right term? I always mess this. Is that declining the option? How does that work? If it's a club option, what is the right you know wording? Yeah, no, you've got it. Declining the option, not exercising, but you know whatever synonyms we want to use um, there. But yeah, I've got them declining their uh, team options on all of the team options that they have. Now, I I, I wrote this in their um, off season preview for Spot Track. I also did a piece where I, where I went through my thought process on all, on all those uh, player and team options for the entire league. Um, I don't think that necessarily rules out that all those guys are gone. Um, but I, I do think they're going to maximize their cap space first. And then if they need to resign a couple of those guys, they'll do it out of cap space or the room exception or something like that. The guy I primarily think about there is Frank Jackson and also maybe um, Hamadou Diallo. The one option I do have getting picked up is Corey Joseph's player option because I just I I struggle to see him opting out of five plus million um, when I don't know that he would recoup that um, on the open market this year um, there's not a lot of cap space there's not a ton of teams looking for um, you know veteran point guard kind of can play a little bit of the two off ball kind of guy I think he's happy in Detroit from everything I've ever heard and read so I think you know he'll he'll be back there um and then probably the the, the big one that does also include the draft pick the, the fifth pick um that number one you know I guess unfortunately went up a little bit as, as they slid back in the, in the in the draft but that comes with a slightly lower uh cap hold on that that first round pick um it unfortunately includes about 11.7 million in dead money uh too that 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 they owe to uh um Dwayne Deadman, DeAndre Jordan, and Zaire Smith. And then what it doesn't include beyond those guys I talked about with the team options is Marvin Bagley. Um then we I know we'll probably get into why um it doesn't include him, but but I've got the Pistons not only not offering him the qualifying offer, but also renouncing him. Um then that's how they get to that that big chunk of cap space. So Keith, uh, and I was actually going to dive into uh, Marvin Bagley, the third next, and you mentioned his cap hold, uh, which I believe is around 28.3 million. Yep. 28.3 million. You're right on it. So if the Pistons were to bring uh, Marvin Bagley back, and uh, I think there's some interest on their side to, to bring him back on a multi-year deal uh, for the right price, of course. Uh, how do you navigate that? And then also still have enough room in free agency to sort of address whatever needs you need, uh, just given that his cap hold is so hold. And I would expect that unless there's a team that, you know, sees him as a near max guy, he's probably going to make a, a fraction of what that cap hold is. Yeah, I think there's two 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 ways to look at this. One is that $28 million, that means if they keep him on the books at that cap hold, then um, to be clear, this is a cap hold. This wouldn't be a salary. You can't sign for that or anything like that. But if they keep that $28 million, that's whether they give him the qualifying offer or not. That's what his cap hold would be. They cannot have cap space. There, there's no reasonable path to cap space because once you're – I know people might be like, well, you just said $36 million, they'd still have $8 million. But at that point, you would switch to using the um, non-taxpayer MLE and the biannual exception, and that would then push you back over the cap. So once you're under the combined value of that, you stay over the cap and keep those exceptions whole because you'd rather have those than – you know, eight million in cap space, but anyway, to 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 the directions you can go with Bagley, I think the first part of this for him becomes: Do you just straight renounce him and start with your you know thirty 
six million in cap space, or do you hold that cap hold at least initially? I'm sure there's been some conversations. Have an idea of, or we're going to re-sign him right away for seven, eight, nine million, whatever it is, in first year salary, and then you do that right out of the gates in free agency, which then is actual salary for next year replaces the cap hold. And then you could go the cap space route with what's left after that. Um, there's one of two ways. So it's not not a lock by any means that they're going to renounce him. I do it that way just because I think it's a simpler, easier picture to paint when the end result would be exactly the same either way. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think, you know, everything I've heard, um, they'd love to have him back there. They thought he was good for them, and they'd like to see see him back. Um, but it's certainly not going to be a $28 million of a cap hold. Um, nowhere even probably in the ballpark of that. So I think what that becomes then is let's get him back, and whether it's we're going to renounce him and re-sign him, or we just uh, July or, I guess, June 30th now at 6 p.m., you know, is it 6 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Eastern something, we get the tweet from Woj or Shams or whoever that says, you know, Pistons and uh, Marvin Bagley have agreed to a, you know, three-year, $30 million deal or something like that, and then, then that gets you set up to then use whatever's left over in cap space from there. So either take care of Marvin Bagley immediately or take care of him after you handle your other business, basically. Yeah, there, you can do it that way, too. You just got to carve out because I don't think he's he's coming back for, you know, for the $4 million, you know, $5 million room exception. I don't think that's going to happen. So you need to have him, uh, you know, you need to at least have it lined up for the way you want to do it. Um, and I will say that is something they've done really well with um, under Troy Weaver. Um, there's been a lot of moving parts uh, the last couple of years. And I think he's done really good of, of setting those moves up because – I, you get, anybody who follows me on Twitter is going to see me say this over and over and over again with the cap space. Sequencing the moves is really important because you have to get them in the right order. Otherwise, what you do is you run into what the Lakers did a couple years back where you kind of blow it. Then then it's like, oh, shoot, we used cap space. We used an exception before we used cap space. Now that applies to the cap, and now that cap space is gone, even though we're doing an exception. you got to order, order your moves correctly. But the Pistons have done well with that. And that's incredible including with trading and then waving and stretching guys and a lot of complicated parts. So they, they do a pretty good job managing their cap as far as, as far as order of operations goes. So there's no way that you can sign Marvin Bagley the third after that $36 million cap space is used up, right? Like, because if you renounce it, then the bird rights are gone. No matter what the order is, that contract is going to eat into the 36. So if Piston fans want to keep Marvin Bagley the third, it's going to be out of that $36 million cap space you're projecting. Yeah, unless they really pull a surprise and stay completely over the cap, um, which I would be I would be kind of shocked if that's the direction they went. Um, I just can't see that being it. You stay completely over the cap, then you do it in whatever order you want because you're going to retain rights and you do what you want with that. But yeah, if they go the cap space route, which is, I think, the most likely path, there is no way to do it unless he's only taking the room exception amount. And I think that's just too little for him. I think somebody would come with you know, at least a large chunk of the non-taxpayer MLE for him, if nothing else, to just try to you know, hey, we'll take a you know shot in the dark and see if we can make it work on, on you know with him too. So yeah, it's gonna if he's gonna resign resign there for a big chunk of money, it's gonna have to come as through some of their cap space. Long term, how does the flexibility look for this roster? Because uh, I think whenever you have a, a, a team like the Pistons, we have a lot of young guys. Uh, you know, their twenty twenty class would be 
extension eligible next summer. Of course, you'll have to pay pay Cade one day. Uh, things can get pretty expensive fast. Uh, when you look at this team long term, do you see them being able to retain some of the flexibility they have this season? Or is this more of a situation where uh, this roster is going to get expensive fast and they may have some decisions to make in a couple of years? They will get expensive, but they've still. I think that's still a couple years out um, for them. As you, as you look, we we used to in the NBA used to try to do things in four and five year um, time horizon windows, and, and now that's really changed to more two three year windows. Just because we're seeing um, a lot of these shortened contracts, there's also a new TV contract, new CBA coming as well. Um, so that's going to throw a whole level of uncertainty into this. So you're really kind of planning. You're looking long-term, but you're really kind of planning, you know, where are we at in the immediate? You know, what are we trying to do with that? And I think um, for the Pistons, the, the good news is after this year, their salary obligations are rookie guys, guys on their, their rookie deals. And then they owe $3 million guaranteed to Kelly Olenek of the last year of his contract. But his contract is, well, what I like to say, it's so fair um, for what he is as a player, that they could just move off him, I think, without even having to eat that $3 million. But if you had to eat $3 million, that's not going to be the difference between it. You could always wave and stretch that $3 million to, to $1 million hit a year, which I know Pistons fans are uh, you know, well acquainted <laughs> with the uh, stretch provision uh, from the Josh Smith years. And now now, now we got uh, D- D- Dwayne, Dwayne Dedman's going to be sitting on those books for somebody uh, just turned uh, off the pod because he wasn't <laughs> <the basketball. laughs> um, You know, hey, hey, that long national nightmare is over, right? <laughs> Regional nightmare, maybe. Um, People but, were so scared they were going to stretch. Blake Griffin too and they were just going to keep going yeah you got to be careful with that <laughs> the stretch provision it, it can bite you there was um you know it's funny there's still sitting on the Portland books as uh you know a couple of years here Andrew Nicholson um is, is still on the, the Blazers books from a long Andrew stretch Larry, wow yeah Larry Sanders had a, a contract stretched over it so far that it didn't even uh, land on most cap sheets you had to make a little note on the back end of it because it was so far off you know the future but that's getting far afield um yeah it's they're they're really set up well flexibility wise now and by no means am I saying this is going to happen, but you can blow all that very quickly, right? In one summer, if you make a bad signing this summer, all of a sudden you, you've you know done quite a bit of damage to your flexibility. But they're well positioned, I think. You know, in twenty three, twenty four, it's a whole bunch of rookie scale team options that, that they've got to deal with. In uh, you know twenty four, twenty five, it'll be the last year of Cade Cunningham's rookie scale option. You'll have whoever they pick at five this year on the books. You know, for for the next couple of years. Too, um, you know, at, at pretty low numbers, so they're 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 set up pretty well. I think you know we're we're really looking. They'll start to really have to kind of go all in one way or another if if they continue to improve. Um, in probably the twenty four twenty five off season, will probably be their last big shot at you know major cap space for a while, assuming they've you know resigned City Bay, they've resigned Isaiah Stewart, and then Kate Cunningham will have uh you know but probably a pretty healthy contract extension kicking in uh, the next year after that. So so that summer twenty twenty four is probably going to be the next. Or, or their their last major shot. Um, assuming things go well for them, but you know that's that that's a couple years down the line. So they're 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 doing okay now. Okay, one more question here before we get to some of those big decisions they make this offseason with free agents that are available, and that's the Pistons' own Jeremy Grant, uh, a very hot topic name. Again, I've heard him talk. You guys talk about him on your podcast. Is he going to be traded? Is he going to not? 
what kind of contract extension is Jeremy Grant looking at? What do you think his value is? And then a two-part question, Keith, where do you think Jeremy Grant's value as a trade asset is? Did Troy Weaver miss the boat at the last trade deadline? Is it going to be the best this summer or would it be better for him at the upcoming trade deadline? You know, maybe he stays long-term, but let's just talk about him as an asset. What's the contract and where was his highest value? Y'all are closer to it than I am, but everything I've read, when when I start seeing somewhere between four years, 104 years, 120 million, over and over and over again. And it seems like the four years, 112 million, that 28 million uh, per per year seems to be kind of, I don't want to say locked in, but that's like, we're seeing that so many places by so many different reporters. I tend to believe, all right, well, there's something there. He's looking for something in that range, you know, so it's something in that, that range. Um, Personally, that that's a little rich for me, um, for what Jer- Jeremy Grant is as a player, because I think ideally he is your third best player, maybe on a really good team, and not necessarily your best player. And I like his game. Um, I just think it's it's a little bit weird. So that's that extension. That's one of the ones where all of a sudden you could eat up a lot of your flexibility if you went went to those kind of numbers. Now the way the Pistons have structured basically everything else they've done. I th- I don't think you're going to see them do that. I-, I think if they do that, it's going to come with them protecting themselves on the back end somehow, right? Whether it's a team option, it's a non-guarantee, it's a non-guarantee with a team option, something like that. So they can really make sure, you know what, hey, we're, we're okay here. We're, we're going to be uh, covered with this. Because I think what you want to do if you're the Pistons is just stay the course, right? We're building around our guys. If we get somebody like a Jeremy Grant or maybe even Jeremy Grant who wants to be here and be part of things, great. We'll take that opportunity. Um, did they miss the boat on trading him? I don't think so. I, I think you would have teams that would be, you know, perfectly happy to still trade for him. Um, it, it, what gets tricky, and this isn't really this was coming no matter what, whether it was last year or it's this year. If he's insistent on I have to be extended, that becomes a little bit more of a challenge, right? Because then it's you know, all right. Well, if I'm the Portland Trailblazers, do I want to commit you know twenty five to $30 million a year, um, you know, for Jeremy Grant, when we just kind of dug ourselves out of salary cap hell, like we, we finally get out of this and we willing to go right back in it for Jeremy Grant. But you know, what, what I always think is when you have a good productive player that real good teams would look at, I think, and say, yeah, he's somebody who can fit in with us. He's got a pretty tradable number. There's always a move to be made. And then you'll have a team that will say, you know, we'll make the trade and then we'll figure out your contract stuff later. I'm not, you know, we'll we'll, we'll deal with it because Jeremy Grant is not the profile of player, nor have I ever gotten the sense or anytime I've ever talked to him or reading or hearing anything else that he's the kind of guy who's like, well, then I'm holding out. I'm not going to show up. I'm going to pull a Simmons. I'm, I'm going to pull a, you know, uh, James Harden and one out immediately. Like I've never gotten that sense. So, so I think, um, I, I, I think they're fine if they want to trade him. I don't, I don't think his value has changed all that much, if at all. That's music to most Pistons fans' ears that definitely want Jeremy Grant traded, which seems to be most of the fan base. But we're going to go to a short break. When we come back, we're going to get Keith Smith's thoughts on this free agency class and some of the bigger names that may interest Pistons fans. I'm Alyssa Robinson for the Detroit Free Press. 
When you wake up every morning, what's the first thing you do? Check your email? Me too. And when you sign up for our daily briefing newsletter, you'll get all the latest news sent directly to your inbox so you can wake up and be ready for the day. We also have newsletters about COVID-19 in Michigan, the latest entertainment headlines, as well as Woodward 248, a newsletter specifically for people living and working in Southeast Oakland County. And don't forget about automotive headlines and all the latest news from our Michigan sports teams. We have a newsletter for every personality and preference. Just head to freep.com forward slash newsletters to sign up for any one of these great options and more. We're back here with Keith Smith, uh, captain, free agency expert. Um, Keith, you kind of touched on it earlier. And uh, just to expand on it a bit, just Pistons, you have a lot of cap space this summer. And for rebuilding teams, really for any team, but especially for teams who are looking to get out of the NBA basement, uh, sort of a tricky position to be in. Uh, you mentioned Josh Biff, uh, the Pistons are rumored to, you know, I was like in college when this happened, so I don't have about a first hand reporting on it personally, <laughs> but uh, Pistons were rumored to be highly interested in Andre Iguodala at the time and they ended up with Josh Biff. And of course, that didn't work out. And you kind of look at this free agency class and it's not a great summer uh, to have free agency. Uh, just when you look at this, is this, do the Pistons need to sort of walk a, a, a fine line here as far as finding ways to improve the roster, but also not uh, being hankered down by, by contracts that could really bite you in a few years? Yeah, well, what you can't do, you, you know, you, you can't go out there and say, well, you know, the best guy available is Mo Bamba, so I guess we got to give him $20 million. Like, that's that's awful. You know, sit on your cap space. You know, do what the Thunder maybe will do. Well, we'll see. And cut the guys a check at the end of the year before you, you know, put, put a you know uh, an albatross on your cap sheet. Don't, don't do that. That's a, that, that's a, you know, awful decision that all too often teams make. Maybe this is a little bit of a roundabout way of answering your question. What gets missed, and I'm guilty of this sometimes too, is cap space doesn't have to be used on signings. It can be used on trades. You can get involved on anybody. When you've got 30, let's call it 35 million um, in cap space, somewhere in that range, you can be involved on everybody. You know, there, there's, you know, um, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. I mean, it's, I'm not saying that they should have even remotely ever consider this, but if it was like, hey, we, we want to get involved in a Russell Westbrook trade somehow, you can because you're basically there. You're, you're talking cap space and Kelly Olenek, and now we're there. We're, we're where we need to be. And we really haven't given up anything other than our cap space. But I think what the if you're looking to go the free agent route, what this class lacks is star talent at the top. And I think that is going to start to become a little bit of the norm for at least the next two seasons or so. Because guys now, what they're doing is they're taking the extensions. They're locking in their money early and then saying, hey, well, lock it down. And then we, I mean, right, we all love this league as silly as it can be. But one of the silliest things is, hey, you paid me, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars a year in. I'm not real happy. I want traded, right? And it just, that's the way this this goes. And for 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 me, that's a content machine, so I'm perfectly content to let it play out that way. But I think what you're seeing this specific summer is you've got a guy like Zach Levine. He seems to be the main name out there that could actually be on the move because James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, it seems like all those guys are locks to, to resign. But get past those stars, and what you have is a really pretty good uh, deep group of role players and where I think the Pistons could be successful if they don't use their cap space by a trade is they've got a handful of roster spots open especially if they go the cap space route 
go pick off a handful of those vets, similar to what they did with like a Mason Plumley and a Kelly Olenek. Get them signed to reasonable contracts, build out your depth around your guys, and then maybe next year you're the you're the calves of next year where you're taking that jump and all of a sudden, you know, hey, around the right guys where we're 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 right back in the playoff picture. Cause I don't think they're all that far off. Um now I'm a Celtics guy, so their success against Boston this year maybe colors my analysis there a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. It was uh, you know, it's funny. I, I was jokingly I said that. I said this on Boston radio because I don't know that it would play nationally, but I said, uh, you know, they're like, the Warriors are the toughest team that Celtics have faced yet. And I was like, well, other than the Detroit Pistons, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think there's definitely opportunities for them to go get two, three, maybe even four guys using that cap space that could really help them uh, this coming year. And what they can do too is because when you're one of the only spenders, you can kind of for a year, you could even overpay a guy. You know, let's uh, uh, let's say they really wanted. I'm just gonna p- pick a name out of out of the blue here. Let's say they really wanted Chris Boucher of the Toronto Raptors. They he's probably a little young for this, but they could say, "Hey, we'll give you 15 million dollars." But it's for it's on a one year deal, or it's on a two year deal with a team option, or a non guarantee, or something like that. And if you're Chris Boucher, you might be like, eh, "I haven't made all that much. All right, I'll take that." you know, for one year and we'll figure it out down the line. Um, and that's where I think the flexibility for the Pistons comes in. I don't think they're star hunting necessarily this off season, but I think you have a chance to really flesh out, round out your roster and build things up going forward. And that's important to me too, because I don't want to take minutes away from the kids. Like I want the, them to be the ones we're growing around here if I'm running that show. And you mentioned um, it just the one-year deal. I think it was 2016. You had a lot of teams lining up for Kevin Durant. And, uh, you know, like the, the Knicks made a lot of cap-clearing moves. And obviously did not get him, but they did sign a lot of one-year deals. And that's just a way of just kind of rolling that flexibility forward. More exactly. Or less. Yeah, I think the, the one of the big ones on that was um, it was a year they were like, All right, we're going to start to push forward. The Philadelphia 76ers signed J.J. Redick. To like a, it was like a one year, like $15, 16000000 million deal. Um, and that was seen as like, wow, that's an overpay for Reddick. It's really, really hard to overpay for one year for a guy. You can do it if you're a ready-made title contender and you give somebody who should get two, three million dollars, maybe, maybe even a minimum, and you give them five million. That's not a great use of resources, and you can really kind of hurt yourself there. But as long as you are being um they're really smart. I apologize if you guys can hear. We have a puppy, and he's not happy. He's locked up right now. So <laughs> it's um, all good. Yeah, he's letting us hear it. Um, Amari Street Traffic is always getting in on the podcast. So <laughs> nice. <Yeah. laughs> um, so anyway, I, I think that's that's a, a, an approach you have to consider as well. If you're not looking at a you know land a big guy via trade or get something else, it, there's definitely options to improve this team in the immediate um, by kind of going out there picking off values. And and if that means you overpay a guy for a year, whatever, it's not the end of the world. You just deal with it the next year. All right, Keith, you said you don't necessarily think the Pistons should star hunt, but this fan base, a lot of this fan base wants to star hunt. So let's talk about, I want to talk about two before we do talk about some of the names in the realm you're talking about. But the first one has to be DeAndre Ayton, a guy whose situation has like, I feel like it's flipped on its head, Keith. You know, a month ago, if you said DeAndre Ayton was leaving Phoenix, you would get crushed on Twitter. And now it's like almost a guarantee he's going to leave. What is the situation there? Do you think he leaves Phoenix? And then I want to ask, what does a sign-in trade look like? Because 
there's no way the Suns actually just let him walk, do they? Yeah, I'll answer the last part first. No, they're not just going to let him walk. That's these he even if things have gone completely sideways and they're both done, he's too valuable asset wise for a team that is over the cap, approaching the tax to just let him walk. So I think what happens is even if the Suns are, we're done, go, like, go, go find your deal, whatever it is, it will be a sign and trade because they're going to want to recoup something of value for him as just a strictly an asset play. I know people aren't always super high on DeAndre Ayton, but he's pretty good. Like, let's not get, get it twisted, right? He's, he can really play. He, he was really good in their playoff run a year ago. I just think sometimes things go too far for both parties that it's just it's best for a breakup. So, yeah, the Pistons could just go cap space route, throw him the big offer sheet, even a max offer sheet, and say, here we go. The problem is the Suns are probably going to say, cool, we'll just match it, and then we'll figure it out later. Um, The other thing is that would be one where if I was Troy Weaver and it's, hey, I'm going to – I'm going to – do an offer sheet for DeAndre Ayton. I would call um, James Jones and say, hey, let's not mess around with the restricted free agency process. Let's work out a sign and trade. What does it need to be? What do you need back for this guy? How do we make this work? Can we take on Dario Sarge too in this deal and, and wipe that salary obligation off your books? How do we get there? And I think that would be one where that would come. Now, here's a challenge with a DeAndre Ayton sign and trade. This is where base year compensation comes into play. And this is something that happened in the Jeremy Grant sign and trade because Jeremy Grant got such a big raise on his current deal. He came in, he only counts on the Nuggets side for basically half of his contract for the salary matching. Not a huge issue because the Pistons are were using cap space to bring in Grant. So they didn't have to send any salary back. I think they sent the draft rights to a player back um, to the Nuggets. But what happens in those situations, in the situation with Ayton, I know one of the ones I see and get asked about a lot is, could they do a sign and trade of DeAndre Ayton for Jeremy Grant? You, you could, and it probably works in balance salaries there enough because even if Ayton – 30 million, I'm just going to use round numbers, only counts for 15. Well, the fact that Jeremy Grant would be 20 going out the other way, you can make that work. You can find that balance and and, and reset things and go. So, and, and please, I'm not reporting that. <laughs> That's not anything I think is going to happen. I'm just using an example. But that is um, – it's it's possible and much easier for a team like Detroit because they're using cap space because this, the imbalanced salaries doesn't really matter for them as much. That makes it easier because they can absorb that big money coming in. Whereas it's just whenever you have that imbalanced stuff because of base year compensation, it can get really tricky. That's why you know I, I won't say who it is, but I listened to an entire podcast where they spent half the show talking DeAndre Ayton signing trades, and I'm literally driving my daughter to school and saying illegal 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 <laughs> and it's like i mean that's just how my brain works so but yeah it's it's tough real quick keith do you think it's going to take some like jeremy grant do you think that's what phoenix would demand for a sign and trade like for pistons fans to be realistic about this even for myself because i don't know is that what it's going to take to get deandre ayton from the suns yeah probably probably something like that you know what i would want if i was on the sun side I'd want Jeremy Grant. Just give me another big switchable wing. 
um, that, that I can have. Uh, I, I think teams need to be looking at the Warriors, the Clippers next year, Kawhi and PG. You, you can't have enough big wings against those guys. Um, the Lakers, they, I know they're, you know, if we want to spend five minutes making fun of the Lakers, the Celtics guys <laughs> happy to do that. But it's, um, you LeBron, you still you still got a LeBron problem everywhere. Um, Mikael Bridges is wonderful. Jay Crowder's pretty good. Add Jeremy Grant, now you're pretty well set right across your 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 board there. You could even play those three guys together in some really big lineups if you wanted to. Um, they're big switchy lineups, um, and that's I think important. What I would want to do just if I would blow it out. A little bit more. And I would say, well, we still need a center because teams, as much as we talk small ball, everybody still starts big. And I would say, all right, we want Kelly Olenek back too. You eat Dario Saric's contract. He unfortunately had to have another knee surgery, which throws this next year kind of in doubt as well. You get DeAndre Ayton, Dario Saric. Maybe there's some balance, minor balancing of assets, second round pick or something, draft rights, something like that. Um, but we'll 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 balance it that way, and we'll get Grant Nolinick, and we'll we'll continue to chase the title. You get the guy you really want. You use a little bit more of your cap space to eat another contract, and off we go. That's and if I was the Pistons, I would kind of look at that and say, and I still got DeAndre Ayton. I'm still going to have a chunk of cap space to use even after all this uh, maneuvering. And now you know I might have my my starting group. Along with the draft pick, wherever we go in the draft, I might have my starting group pretty well set uh, moving forward for the next, you know, three, four years here. And that's that's really not too bad, um, you know, if that's the direction they wanted to go. Keith, I'm a, uh, three names of free agency. Uh, I call this the uh, most likely to get overpaid here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Colin Sexton, Jalen Brunson. Miles Bridges. Keith uh, likes to, Colin. I know this. I can't yeah, wait. I, do. I like Colin Sexton. I'm a big Colin Sexton guy. <laughs> if you had to uh, predict, or maybe just your own valuation of you know what these guys are 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 worth, uh, let's just say starting salary number for uh, next season. Uh, sort of what would you throw out for 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 each guy as far as like what makes sense maybe for what the Pistons could could or should offer. Sure. I, I think they're all in uh, slightly different boats, and I think what's so Jalen Brunson, if we start with him, it's, if you're going to get him away from Dallas, it's going to have to probably be 25 million plus a year, and that's your challenge, is right? It's because Dallas probably up to that number is probably just going to say we'll pay that. Now he's not restricted, so they don't truly have match rights, but it seems like he's going to give them first crack at it. I, I don't know that he's necessarily looking to leave the Mavs or anything like that. So that's your challenge, right? And then at that number, yeah, that's an overpay. I, I can't, I can't get there. If it's an average of twenty million a year, yeah, I can probably probably get to that number. That that probably makes sense. Um, I'll go to Miles Bridges next. I think you're to get him because he is a restricted free agent. You'd have to go full max. It's just, it's the only way you get those guys to switch teams because you have to make it painful enough that Charlotte says, yeah, we can't do it. We, we can't match this deal. And I think even that might not do it right because they're, they're, I think they're trying to, their head coach search tells me we don't want to be this team that's, cute and fun and makes the play in we got to get to the playoffs and that says to me that they are um doing what they can to retain their guys he took such a leap forward this year as a player um that you know great and let me say this before he gets Colin Sexton three good targets for the Pistons I think all three could make a lot of sense uh for the Pistons for sure 
What's, what, real quick, Keith, what's the numbers, the actual numbers for the Miles Bridges if it is a max? Uh, yeah, I can pull that up for you real quick. It would start at about $32 million wow. if I got that right. Um, I'm out on both of those numbers. I don't know about you, Amari, <laughs> while Keith is looking that up, but Jalen Brunson at the number he said, Miles Bridges at the number he's talking, I'm out on those two. I'll just put it out there, and I've kind of said this in various ways. I don't think there's a free agent in this class that's realistic for the Pistons that I would pay what they're probably going to get if it were me calling the shots. Hey, we got Colin Sexton coming up here. Again, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I listen to Keith's podcast, and I know he's about to make a good pitch here, and I'm hoping he throws out a number where Pistons fans may like it a little bit more. All right, so circle back on Miles Bridges, $30.5 million first-year salary. Uh, so the most of the Pistons, this is projected, of course, right, because we don't, cap hasn't settled yet. Uh, but $30.5 million first-year salary, four years, $136.6 million. We are looking at fourth year would be $37.8 million. So Wow. Yeah, that's a, you know, that's, and that's a big number, right? You'd have to be really sure. Yeah, he's still going to be really good even without LaMelo. And we're going to be, you know, we're, we're really good with this guy, you know, pushing things forward. Uh, all right, Colin Sexton. So, Bryce, obviously you listen to, to, to the NBA front off show, so you know this. Um, Colin Sexton has this reputation as being a shameless gunner who all he can do is score. And that's not fully untrue, but he's not in an inefficient score. He really shoots the ball well. He's a good finisher, shoots well from the mid-range, shoots well from three. Um, so that's, to me, the difference between a good stats, bad team guy who just piles up stats, scoring stats, um, and shoots, you know, 32% from three and 45 or 42% overall. Sexton's always been a pretty good shooter. Can also function on and off the ball. He, he's, you know, a decent playmaker, but he might be a little bit better off ball. And then his defense, I think, has gotten dogged a little bit over the course of the, to, of the beginning of his career. But that was on some truly horrendous Cavs teams that nobody played any defense. And I think you started to see it last year. Unfortunately, he got hurt. But you started to see him make a whole new commitment to defense. And that that was a big difference. Um, so all that said, I'm obviously a big Colin Sexton fan. I think if you're going to get him away from the Cavs, because again, restricted free agent, if he's looking 18 to 20 million, you're going to probably have to go that number to get the Cavs to blink. Because then the Cavs have to swallow hard and say, yeah, you know, where are we going with that? I'm sorry, guys, the dog is losing his mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is, uh, it is, you know, that's the number for the Cavs to say, I'm going to have, I'll, that's too much. We, we can't do it. We got Darius Garland coming up the next year for, for an extension. We already committed to Jared Allen. We've got Lori Markin in. We've, you know, we've got this, this, and this. We got to go a different direction for a guy who maybe would be our sixth man. You know, we don't know that for certain. So I think that's your challenge. And right there is you got to go to that number. If you want to definitely get them, you go 22, 23 million. And at that point, to, to Amari's point, to start this whole segment is, yeah, this is why these guys could get overpaid, especially if they change teams. Yeah, it really sounds like maybe the Pistons are going to have to weigh overpay for any of these guys. So in the next segment, let's talk about some of the guys that you mentioned earlier that are going to get paid in that price range where the Pistons could bring in three or four. And we'll do that after this short break. All right, hey, Carlos, just a quick idea. How about if I say, hey, this is Sean Windsor, and you say, hey, this is Carlos Mars, and I'll go, and then we'll go back. You want, you want to try that? 
Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, you ready? Yep. Hey, this is Sean Windsor. And this is Carlos Menares. And we are the team behind Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean, where we are going to talk about, you guessed it, sports, but lots of other stuff. Like what, Carlos? Oh, we're going to talk about your favorite subject, Sean, food. Um, probably more food. Arts, culture, sports, TV, movies, you name it. If it's happened in Detroit, we're going to talk about it. And sometimes we're going to have guests in who obviously know a lot more than we do about just about everything. But we're going to have some free press journalists to talk about big stories, folks from the sports world. We're going to be out every Thursday. You can find this podcast wherever you find your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We hope you'll join us. Before we talk with Keith Smith about some more under-the-radar signings for the Detroit Pistons, I do want to read a new comment and review on Apple Podcasts from Jay Winwright, the only pod I'm literally refreshing my page for the new drop each week. If you're looking for the Pistons surface talk and fluff, you won't get it here. Bryce's in-depth takes and Amari's inside information makes for a legit pairing. Give them a listen. I think this is a perfect episode to say it's not the fluff. It's not the surface talk. We go in deep, and that's why we brought Keith Smith on. We have 92 ratings on Apple, 71 on Spotify. Only one of those is a non-five-star rating, the very first rating we ever got. Omari, our listeners continue to come through with these great reviews. I love it every time we catch one. Yeah, like we say it every week, but they tend to write full paragraphs, which we love. So uh, keep the feedback coming. Uh, definitely makes us feel good. And uh, not that we need motivation to do this every week, but it feels a lot, a lot better when you know it's being perceived well. Absolutely. All right, Keith, let's dive back into this. We got 10 or 15 minutes here. You mentioned a guy earlier, Mo Bamba. That's actually a name that has come around with Pistons <laughs> fans quite a bit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Tell the listeners, let, let's try to hit on five or six of these guys. Numbers, what it would take. Are they a good fit for Detroit if they try to get three or four guys or something like that? Yeah, I think so. Let, let's talk Mo Bamba for a minute. I, I live in Orlando. Uh, that's the team I uh, see in person most often. Um, what I would say about Mo Bamba is beware the guy who looks and says, uh, this could be my career going the wrong way and then has a monster season. Um, and it wasn't like a monster season, monster season for him. Um, I I'm not sold on Mo Bamba. Uh, the Magic committed to Wendell Carter Jr. over him, um, and he is actually, I think, is the far better player. There's a player in Mo Bamba, especially in the modern NBA, with the way he blocks shots, the way he shoots three-pointers, where he could be kind of like a modern Miles Turner um, in a sense, um, where because I think he's actually a better, uh, more physical defender than Turner is too, and a better rebounder. The problem is... Until this year, it showed up about once every five or six games. And you'd see those once every five or six games. You'd be like, all right, here it is. Like it's we're 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 getting ready. We're gonna get a string of good games in a row. And it never happened. So that's your your challenge with Mobamba. Um a number for him, I wouldn't want to give him more than seven, eight million a year. And even that's semi questionable to to me. I think his best bet is probably go take the the equivalent of the taxpayer mid level from a really good team. And just develop as a backup, maybe starter. He's a guy I think maybe Phoenix could do well if, if they move on from Aiden, grab him using the taxpayer mid level, bring him in there, and, and you know move, move forward with that one. A um, couple other names I like um, for the for the Pistons because I'd like to see them get a little bit more. Um, I guess 
the best way to describe this is rugged defensively. Uh, I'd like to see them add a couple more uh, defenders who are going to get up in guys' faces. One guy, um, I, I still, I still, this one baffles me that they even let him go. But I think Bruce Brown is really good. Um, he he really became a shooter this year. Now he's on super low volume, but then that continued into the playoffs. Um, and there's. I mean, Kevin Durant still eventually got going, but he was the Nets' best player in the first round series against the Celtics. And I'm, so I'm a big Bruce Brown guy. I think he'd he would fit in really, really well um, there because he's somebody who can play off the ball. He's not going to take a lot of touches away from guys. Um, two other guys, similar mold, and these the, these two are restricted free agents, Caleb and Cody Martin. Um did Caleb make up more kind of high profile because he played for the Heat um, and jumped up? But I think he is somebody who um, you know has improved. I think Cody is just as good as Caleb is. Um, I almost wonder too. Could you almost get them on like the the Morai like uh, you know package deal where it's like, hey, we, we want both of you. You know, what does it take to to land you both? And I think because they're restricted and on two teams that might have other plans, you you could maybe get them in, in a slightly different different way on um, there. I'd like to see them too. I'd like to see them get somebody who can help uh, Cade Cunningham with the ball handling and playmaking, but isn't going to run him off the ball or take the touches away from him. Um, A guy who I think it's going to be tough because it probably falls in a little bit of the overpay, Sarah, but I really like Tyus Jones. I was going to ask you about Tyus Jones. Yeah. I, I think he could be an excellent fit there too, and I, I just I think it's going to be hard to get him out of Memphis. Uh, quite frankly, I think Tyus Jones has a couple of things. One, he's he's super comfortable in Memphis. They gave him the the at the time the big contract uh, to get him away from the Timberwolves. I think also Tyus Jones probably knows John Morant's play style lends to he's going to miss twenty or so games every year. And in those 20 or so games, I'll show out, but I still get my chance, you know, to play and play, play big minutes. I think too, if, if when job becomes a better shooter, there's, you can unlock dual ball handler uh, lineups with the two of them on the floor together. So it's going to be hard to get him away from there. But if you could Gary Payton, the second, I think is a guy you you might want to you know consider if you're Detroit too not not traditional point guard because he's not really you know a playmaker but um, somebody who who I think could be you know pretty pretty solid uh, for them there um, Javon Carter another guy's not going to break the bank um, I think at times has been you know a pretty good player um, you know d- does some stuff defensively can shoot play off ball um, you know with that if. If the the Kings mess around, which it seems like he's not happy there because uh, they did some stuff with him as a starter, Dante DiVincenzo on the restricted market, I think is a guy who could fit. Um, I guess I kind of have a theme here. I want some guys who can defend, do a little bit of playmaking and some shooting because um, I think that's where it is. And then bigs, there are countless bigs I think they could pick off and just kind of say – all right, you come in. You know we're going to do this. We're going to team you with Isaiah Stewart and Kenny, Kelly Olynyk. We'll ha- have our have our you know big group. I think a guy like Thomas Bryant is a guy who who's worth another shot. Looked good at times. Um, doesn't really defend at all, but 
you know, you, you kind of, you know, to take the good offense, you know, with him. Um, I, I think if for some reason, um, you know, things started to get a little messy, Mitchell Robinson could be a guy you could look at um, potentially. I just think there's too much overlap with Isaiah Stewart in terms of play style um, with those two guys. So I don't necessarily love that one. And then the other guy that, that I think about uh, for them is Jalen Smith with, with the, the Pacers because they're limited in what they can pay him because because of the declined rookie scale option. The Pistons could come in and that could be a good one of those, you know, hey, we'll give you $8 million because that's basically double what the Pacers can give you. And then the second year is going to be a team option, and we'll figure it out after that and see see if he can kind of pop. But th- those are just a bunch of guys that I, I think kind of j- jumped to mind for me, um, and I'm sure I've missed you know countless other guys. You know, it's just I, I just don't see the guy that you're committing. You know, let me give you four fully guaranteed years at a big money, just because it's just not there right now. I think Omar, you said it perfectly when there's guys who they're likely to get are not. It's it's not that they're not star guys. Like it's not going to be, you know, commit that big money. But you know what? That's okay. It doesn't have to be this year. Like, I mean, if you're the Pistons, I think one of my kind of guiding principles would be let's not become the Knicks and try to rush into things. The old Knicks, the new Knicks have been much more patient and have been better about that the last couple of years. But let's not be the old Knicks where it's. All right, now we get cap space. Oh, uh, we didn't get Zach Levine. You know what? Let's spend a whole crap ton of money on this tier two guy. And I think that's where the Pistons have gotten kind of caught in the past, whether it be, you know, really rewinding it to Villanueva and Gordon or Josh Smith. It's like, you know, you can't don't get yourself caught chasing because you missed out on the big target. Just stay flexible, stay true to the path. And I think that's Troy Weaver's MO, right? I think he is a guy who, you know, kind of comes from like, hey, we're going to build this through the draft. And then when we're ready, then we'll start making our moves and adding to this group. And that's one thing we've talked about on this pod and uh, me and Bryce Weaver and Sexton yesterday. Uh, you know, I think when people think about the concept of a rebuild and taking big swings and just, you know, getting as many names as possible, uh, you kind of look at the teams who successfully rebuild over the years. And in the end, you know, the guys like the Grant Williams and, you know, like the guys who aren't going to make, you know, like, 15, 20, 25 million dollars a year are the ones who are playing 40 minutes in the playoffs. And uh, a lot of times you maybe have two guys who are really just like your your, your go-to scorers. And then it's just a lot of road guys, some who could get hot and, and step up like Al Horford. Like, I feel like we kind of overcomplicate the concept of a, a rebuild. If, if you're the Pistons, you have Sadiq Bay, you have Kate Cunningham, and you're like, all the guys who are worthwhile are going to cost us 30 billion a year. The approach almost that almost makes more sense to kind of look at this like let's just get deeper like let's get you know two three four guys who can really play uh you know take pressure off of our young guys a little bit that that almost seems to be like a more logical uh, approach for them even though they do have cap space and this is a team that hasn't made the playoffs or won a playoff game in a, a while so the alert to go big is there but this is probably more of a go small offseason if you're looking at it from a, a what's realistic standpoint I like the idea of like I said spread it out. You know, go go get you build out your depth, but build out your depth in a way where your your kids are still the stars. They're going to be the ones that are are the centerpieces of this. And see, there it is, Bryce. It just came out center. <laughs> um, <laughs> see, I got I got, I'm getting animated and getting excited. The coffee's kicking in too. Um, <laughs> but you know, build it out. Go, but let those guys still be the ones who shine and get the reps and get those on ball touches. Move it forward. I think your goal would be. 
post-trade deadline, I want to be playing competitive games next year. Not competitive in terms of scores, but meaningful games. Games that are like they have real meaning. Like well, we're we're maybe we're chasing a play-in spot. I think that would be a wonderful step forward year, and you'd feel pretty good about that. Now that's what I want to see for this team is you know, we're we're pushing forward, we're 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 going up. But it doesn't. We don't need to take these giant jumps. Like that's that's when it, when you get yourself in trouble. And like, like I said, yeah, don't go go overpaying some second, third tier guys. Yeah, if you do it for a year, fine. You know, again, one year overpay is never going to hurt you. But don't lock into big money. And 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 I don't think think that's where where this is going to go. And it, it's funny. I'm glad we you mentioned Sadiq Bay because. I had someone the other day say, is this guy actually good? Or is this just, you know, big numbers on a, on a bad team? And my response to it was, you score 50 points in an NBA game. I don't care who you played against or what the situation was, unless it's a complete clown show where you're, you know, you took 50 shots to get there. Like, yeah, you're good. <laughs> let's not, let's not, you know, get, get messed up on that. Like he, like, yes, he's good. And and I think too, I think he's good in a scalable way. Meaning if you need him to be your third best guy, I think he can probably do that. But if, if he's your fourth or fifth best guy long-term, that's probably even better. Right. Cause now we're in a spot, but you know, and I, um, just I, I like the the young core, you know. I really do. I I I want more out of Killian Hayes, right? I I, I know that Pistons fans are in the same boat there. You know, we'll we'll see. Sometimes point guards take three four years to to get there and figure it out, and he is super duper young. Um, but man, Kid Cunningham, I just wanna I want to make sure I get this in. I know I'm kind of going on a little tangent with this, but watching him play, even when the results aren't there. The process is there. Like, he just gets it. He just knows how to play. He knows what he's doing out there. And to me, that is a special, special part of this is this guy just knows what he's doing. And that that is, you know, that is more than anything else the thing I would be so excited about if I was a Pistons fan. So I actually wrote this in the notes, Keith. You would go along the lines of – the Pistons don't have to go find a number two option. Like they don't have to star hunt and find that guy. Just keep building out this roster. Just keep acquiring good talent. Even if it's multiple quote unquote number three and four options, see if that works. Maybe that's good enough with, with Cade Cunningham. But then if it doesn't, then you can package those guys for a trade. Like that's, that's where you would be with this roster building because I think I get caught up sometimes because I don't know that Sadiq's ceiling. It's, it's crazy that people question whether he's good or not, but I don't think his ceiling is the number two guy. But that's okay. We don't have to go swing for the fences for that guy. Would you agree with that? Like that's kind of what I'm hearing as you talk through this. Yeah, not 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 right now. Not not this summer. Um, one kind of to, to put a bow on that. It's just not there. Like that that guy's not not necessarily there now. Maybe some unforeseen trade comes comes up. Right then, that that's always a different story. And it's, I mean, the the, the Pistons have certainly caught me off guard with a couple of things they've done that I wasn't expecting uh, in the last couple of years too. And that's not in, in a bad way by any means. Uh, I'll admit I was extremely confused when it seemed like they could only sign players that were seven feet tall or more like that. That I didn't understand. I was I, did, I was you know like what is what are we doing here? Where are we going? Um, but I think it's I guess the, the the best way to put this for me is just be patient. You don't have to do it right now um, because 
I, I get it. Everybody wants to win, and it's it's especially hard this time of year, right? Because you're watching the playoffs, you're watching the finals, and and you want to be there, and you want to be a part of that again, and all those kind of things. But it's if you try and rush, you're gonna make mistakes. It's just gonna go gonna go badly. If the right opportunities there, go. But I think you're a year away from from making that big big push to say all right now we're we're ready let's go let's go get our guy let's go get you know the guy to be you know Cade's number two or or maybe even he's the the veteran number one that bumps Cade to number two or something like that like like I just think that's you know really important to to know when you're really ready and I trust that the Pistons front office and coaching staff knows better than anybody else how close they actually are right you, you and that's the conversations you're having today i was listening to tommy shepherd do an interview the other day the wizards gm similar ish boat right like they, they're they're kind of coming back down as the pistons are on the the rise but one of the things he said is you have to be really honest with your conversations about where where are we at and what are our goals for the next year and i think that's it and it and i think if you sit down if you're troy weaver and staff and Dwayne casey and staff and pistons ownership and you say all right here's where we think we are yeah, we could go try to get Zach Levine. We could go pay a bunch of money for Bradley Beal or do a crazy trade for some guy who's, you know, 30 or older. And we could probably maybe even get into the playing tournament. But then that caps our ceiling moving forward. And and you don't want to be a playing team. It's cool if it happens next season, but that's not where you want to be, right? That should be a step along the path to moving it, moving it forward. And just, you know, stay the path, stay true to it. Keep that flexibility. That's that would be my keyword for this off season is flexibility. Keep it moving forward and go. Um, you know, with that there, there's only a couple guys. Maybe DeAndre Ayton is one, but even DeAndre Ayton, you can still get him and still keep flexibility too. And that 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 might be the way to way to go if you're the Detroit Pistons because it's there's going to be better free agents. There's going to be better options coming down the line, and you want to be in position to be in play for those and not sitting there looking at man, that crappy contract we signed in 2022, that's got us completely out of the mix. So you don't think there's anyone in this class the Pistons may look back at in a few years and they'll think, we wish we had gone bigger. It's probably just better to be conservative in this one. Someone will pop because it always does. But I think at that point you say, that's not where we were at that time on the player or as an organization and you go. Um, I look at free agency similar to the, the conversation happens much more heavily around the draft, right? Where people are like, oh man, everybody passed on Giannis. Well, yeah, no kidding. Everybody passed on Giannis. Like, what yeah, are we doing Giannis's here? Don't work out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like, you know, and it's, you know, and it's, I mean, it's funny that he's on your roster now, but there's still Celtics fans. You know, they might win the title here in a couple weeks. Everybody, remember when we drafted Kelly Olenek over Giannis? And it's like, <laughs> what are we doing? Like, who cares anymore? Like, let it go. But yeah, I, I think, I don't think there's a free agent that you can um, look at today and point to like, yeah, they're definitely, because the other part is, are they definitely going to get them? Like, that's the other thing, right? There's, I always remind people is, cool, you have 35 million, 36 million in cap space. There's 29 other teams that have stuff they're trying to do too. Like, let's not, you know, it's not, this is not a 2K, you know, where you force transactions through and, you know, you, the guys, you know, next thing you know, you're doing it. And this isn't a Laker land where you've got a Photoshop ready for every player in the NBA in a Lakers jersey. Like, you know, let's be, let's be reasonable. Let's, uh, you know, let, let's, uh, you know, th- think through on this. But yeah, I, I, I'm, 
I'm going to put my faith in the Detroit leadership group that they're going to make the right decisions moving forward, even if it's not the holy crap, look at this, you know, amazing thing. Because who, right? It's they always say this: who cares about winning a press conference? Right, you could stand up there a month from now and you know show off a whole bunch of dudes in new Pistons jerseys and get everybody all fired up, all that, and then you come out and you're ten and twenty after thirty games, and all you're going to do is be like, "Who you? Know, what did we do?" You know, the press conferences don't matter. Win, win games, stay the path, see it true. I love it. I love the path. I love the idea. Great episode, Keith. Thank you so much for joining us. A lot of the great insights into all of this stuff. Before we let you go, just let the people know where they can find you, your podcast, everything you do on Twitter, must follow, must listen, all of that stuff. And Spot Track, where I go through all for all of my contract stuff. Anytime somebody asks me a question, let everybody know where they can find that stuff. Yeah, the 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 podcast and YouTube show is NBA front office show. It's me and Trevor Lane. It's a Celtics and Lakers guy uh, paired up on there. We have a lot of fun with that, but I think we try to be a little more reasonable. I'm, I, I, I'm a, I, if things keep going a certain way, I'm only a couple weeks away from getting real belligerent on there. <laughs> you know, maybe it might be the end of the show, but it's um, no, we have a lot of fun. We, if you like this kind of stuff, this is what we do um, every day is go, go deep into this. And we're getting ready to crank up all of our off season free agency stuff um we we do a lot of stuff by players teams all that stuff well we're really excited to get that going um spot track thanks for shouting them out it's the uh, i say with you know full full admission of bias it's the most timely most accurate best uh publicly available nba salary uh information that you can find it's all there everything you want to know is there with that we also have if you want to do what we kind of did here and play GM. We have a manage roster tool where you can do everything that the GMs can do and really manage your roster through on that. And then as far as I go right now, I'm going to be honest, it's pretty Celtics heavy on my timeline, um, but that's only going to last for, for, you know, another few weeks and then we'll be really fully off season uh, focused, but uh, at Keith Smith NBA, um, you know, Hey, I, I, you know what? Follow mute for you know a couple more weeks and then you can unmute and then we'll be in a lot of season league wide coverage okay if we want all your all, all your boston takes over the next couple of weeks and uh that should be a, a, a fun finals as well but again thank you so much for joining us uh, i think this was probably one of our most informative episodes as far as just raw nba info uh so we truly do appreciate that um uh, so big thanks to keith smith for joining us today also thanks to our editor carrie jr the second our executive producer Antoinette delgado and our other executive producer kirkland crawford and of course, shout out to Wes Davenport, uh, who puts outlines together, uh, keeps us in line. After our cheating sham last week, we'll try to find another chance to get them back on here soon. So uh, take care, everyone. We'll see you all next week.